Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. So excited to be before you and to just dig in God's word with you. Um, We are continuing on in a series. We'll be in this series this week and next week, and then we'll jump back into the book of John. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter four. We're going to be going there in a little bit. But what we've been doing is we've been talking about in this series stuck. And I started the series off talking about an analogy I gave when we did this uh, activity or rather this uh, gathering called Soul Cafe. Uh, We started off with an analogy. And here's what we said. We asked the question to the crowd. We said, uh, where are you at in your life? And we we showed kind of like a street, a traffic uh, light. And we said, where where are you at in your life? Are you at a green light? And green light meant, man, I'm going and I'm doing exactly what I feel God has called me to do. I I, I was trusting him for a a, a degree. I was trusting him for a relationship. And five years there, five years later, I'm there. I'm doing the things I thought I would be doing. But we asked, maybe you're at a yellow light. Maybe things are going a little slower than you thought. Maybe you're at a little bit of a standstill. Things aren't moving. And then we said, some of you might be at a red light. Your career, you thought that the degree meant job in the same thing you'd studied. But now you're kind of in this a forever moment, like you're not seeing things change. You're not seeing any movement and you're not sure if anything will change in the future. You're at a red light. And when we did that in that group, we found that people were weeping. People were struggling because this sense in their life where they weren't feeling the momentum anymore. There was no movement and no traction. And so for some of you tonight, as you sit here, you you feel this weight where you don't see God moving in your marriage or in your finances. You don't see God moving in in the school. I mean, you you, you went and you said, you know, I'm going to get a PhD. And then you signed up and you said, man, I'm not even good at this. I don't even like studying like I I thought. Like, you're you're not, not, I'm not getting a PhD. I don't even know if I'm going to get a degree. Like, you just rethought everything, right? And and you thought about work. Like, you don't even like your job anymore. And you don't see yourself doing anything differently. And then some of you, you went to the doctor and you thought you were going to get a good, a clean bill of health only to find out that there was really something working inside of you. Your health is not where you thought it would be. Maybe some of you have come down with COVID-19 and you got this and, and, and you've been quarantined because of that. The reality is, is that when you are in this moment where you're at that yellow light or you're at that red light, you feel stuck. You feel like things aren't moving. And I want to tell my green light community that if you're at a green light and things are going, one day you're going to come to a red light. One day you're going to come to a yellow light and you're not going to see things moving like you thought. So pay attention because this is for you too. You see, when we're in those moments where we don't see God moving in the way that we thought he would move, the reality is we have a temptation to compare ourselves and to feel jealous of others. And we, we find ourselves scrolling on social media and we're disappointed in the life be, that we have because our dreams simply aren't coming true. We feel like we're wandering now. And you know, 
breakthroughs are possible. I mean, for those of you that are believers and you've sat there and you've seen God move, you know breakthroughs are possible. You read it in the Bible. You've seen Joseph and you've seen Paul and you've seen all these people see miracles happen. You know breakthroughs are possible. And, but that's actually making things a little bit harder because if God can, why won't he? If God is so good, why am I in this circumstance? And so although the word of God is encouraging to you and stories of victory have propelled you, there's still this sense in which why not me and why not now? And if not now, when? When will you move? You know breakthroughs are possible. And so you can't help but conclude, I'll never be happy. I'll never see this move of God in my life. I'll never be in a relationship. You know, my income, it, you know, I saw myself get a little bit more money and then I still find myself trying to check, the, check my account at the end of the month. And it seems like every time I make more money, more money leaves. And so you find yourself in this, this standstill moment. And that's what our series is about. And last week, we talked about this incredible perspective Paul had as Paul had this thorn. And, and he, he said in three seasons of his life, he prayed, God, remove this thorn, remove this thorn. Please, God, remove this thorn. And God did something. He spoke to him. He revealed something to him. And he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. God spoke a word to Paul and told him, it is at your weakest state that you'll see the maximum of my power. You'll see the fullest potential of my power. So the fact that you feel weak and you feel down, that is when my power is made perfect. And so it's in that moment, Paul realizes it's not just in, a, in his abilities God wanted to move, but it was also in his inability. And so we saw that last week. And what we talked about briefly was the fact that you've seen people who've had a perspective in a circumstance that was possibly worse than yours. Uh, I told you about my friend Mike, his dad. His dad had cancer and I listened to his dad praying and I could tell his dad had this intimate, deep prayer and he had a, uh, he had a fatal prognosis. They said that he was going to die of his cancer, but I could see the depth in his prayer and I thought to myself, I don't know if I would have that kind of energy or I don't know if I'd be as encouraged as he was. And haven't you seen people who are in the same situation as you, but they have a more godly perspective? Haven't you had, listen, you, you have sat there and you have said, I have not been on a date in a week. And you, somebody over there is calmly saying, well, I haven't had a date in like five years. And they're like, and they're fine. I mean, they're, they're like beautiful. I mean, like they're, they're successful. I mean, they're everything you think they would be. And all of a sudden they don't have, they have something less of what you have, but they have more of God in their situation. Haven't you seen people like that? And God is showing us in, in this series that it is really not about the situation I'm in. It is about the perspective that I have. It's how I'm seeing this moment. And so what Paul does in this moment today, he's going to pull out our, in, in our minds, he's going to show us that in any situation we can find contentment. Paul is going to go as far to say that no matter if he's even without food or clothes, that he could find contentment. And that is important for us 
Because we are in a moment, we are in a moment right now with COVID-19 where we could constantly find ourselves falling into discontentment. Because we can't move, we can't do anything. We, we're in this constant state where things aren't going right and nothing is like what we thought. And I want to tell you that discontentment is dangerous. You see, the nature of discontentment is that it can drive us to extreme behaviors from smoking and drinking to anger and to lust. It's these moments that we have in discontentment that we find ourselves constantly wanting more. John D. Rockefeller, the uh, financial mogul, was asked once, um, how much is enough money. And he said, just a little bit more. And you see, that's the nature of what happens when you're discontent. You're constantly wanting more. And let me tell you, you cannot achieve your way out of discontentment because no matter how high you go and no matter what you get, you'll constantly be dissatisfied with what you have. And so what you'll find is, you know, some people have said you can't buy happiness. That's a lie. You can buy happiness. Oh, yeah, you get a new car, you'll be happy. You get a new apartment, you'll be happy. You get a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, the girl is fine, the dude is just everything. He's tall as you want him to be. He's got all, he's got the background, he's got a jobby job, like all those things. Like, I'm telling you, like, you can buy happiness. The problem is not can we buy happiness or can we get happiness? It just doesn't last. You see, the reality is that a new home, a new phone, a new relationship won't last. That's why we're addicted to upgrades, because we constantly have to have something new. And we're trying to temper the fact that we're constantly dissatisfied with what we have. That is the lack of contentment we all feel. What Paul is going to show us is that contentment is our ability to have enough to be able to be satisfied with what we have. And Paul's going to show us that this is kind of like a secret community. Like not everybody is a part of this community. Like there's some people going through trial and they don't really capture or understand what contentment is. And so here, Paul is going to show us this. Now, by way of background, I think it is so important that we understand that Paul was a, a non-Christian Jew. Like he used to kill Jews. That was, I mean, he used to kill Christians rather. That was his thing. And so in going around and killing Christians, all of a sudden he has this Damascus Road experience. And then now he's on mission for God. He's planting churches. He's doing incredible things for God. He's seeing things come to fruition that he had only dreamed of. But then he gets arrested. He gets arrested for doing good things for God. And of all the places to get arrested and be sent to, he's in Rome. And he's under the leadership of Nero. Now, you got to understand, Nero was a bad boy. Nero was known for killing Christians. Nero used to place Christians. He used to put them amongst the wild dogs and they would get eaten apart. Nero would put Christians up in his courtyard and have them lit like candles to light up the night. Nero loved to kill Christians and Nero was overseeing Rome. That meant if you were a Christian in prison, you basically had a death sentence. Everything is over. And so the reality is that Paul is in this moment and his life and his work is at a red light. It's over. He's going to die in prison. No more mission trips. No more churches planted. No more. You are going to die there under the hand of Nero. 
And you and I, if we were in this moment where we're not seeing things fulfilled, we're not seeing ourselves move forward the way we thought we would, what would be your perspective while in prison, knowing you may not do the things you dreamed you would always do? Doing, fulfilling the mission. I'm like, this is what I know I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to be on a mission, but you're in prison. The wild thing about Paul is that he actually started writing letters. And this is what we call the prison epistles. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And we're going to look at Philippians, but the context of that blows my mind. That Paul actually, while he was in prison, started writing letters to people. He didn't know they'd become part of the Bible. He didn't know we'd be reading it today. He didn't know it was going to encourage us. Do you know what Paul said in the book of Ephesians that was written while he was in prison? He said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Can you believe he wrote that while he was in prison and couldn't go anywhere under the hand of Nero? You see, Paul is so different than me because while he was in prison, he was writing and encouraging people and he was telling them God could do anything. If it was me in prison, I would be writing to people telling about my plight and my situation. I'd be telling them about how bad things are. I'd be telling them to break me out. I'd be, I would be quoting the great philosopher Akon. Like, I'm locked up, they won't let me. Like, that's what I would be doing. Like, get me out of here. I want to break out. But you notice, you didn't, the reason why we have to tell you that this is a prison epistle because he didn't fill the book with just his circumstance. He filled it with God's perspective. And so what do you see here? What do you see here? You see that Paul was in prison, but his perspective was unleashed. He saw the glory of God and he wanted people to see the glory of God. And so now that you have that context, you have to understand what Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, this is what he says. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, Paul is under arrest. He's in Rome, right? And you got to understand how things work in Roman prisons. In Roman prisons, they do not have food and clothes for you. All they have is shelter. So if you were going to get food, and if you were going to get any clothes, if you were going to get a blanket, you were going to get it in a care package. And the entire book of Philippians is actually a response to a care package he received from the Philippian church, which he helped start years before. So they send him a care package. That's why he says, oh man, good looking out. Y'all revived your concern for me. I know you wanted to do that before, but you had no opportunity. So, but now you did. Thank you so much. And he appreciates them. Praise God. That's what we would do. That's what we do. We'd write them back. But this is what Paul does. He flips it because he understands I not only need to tell you that I'm thankful, I need to remember you're a church that I helped start. So I need you to understand godly perspective about how I'm going through this. So look what he says in verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, I want y'all to know, 
that most of the time we say stuff like this is when we're bitter with people, right? Like it's like, oh, thank you for what you did, but I'm good on my own. I really didn't need you. See, I'm, I'm good all by myself. I'm completely independent. And notice what he's saying. He is not saying, thank you for the food and clothes because I have food and clothes. He's saying, I have something on the inside of me that is grander than anything you could have sent me. Thank you so much for sending me the food and clothes, but I've got something greater and grander than anything you could say, send in a care package. What I have is the godly contentment of the Lord. And so I think that what is important to point out is something on the inside will always dictate my response to what's going on on the outside. There will always be, no matter what, listen to me, no matter what you're going through, it is not what's about what's going on around you. It is what's about going on inside of you. The most important thing you're thinking about is the story you're telling yourself, the thing you're meditating on, the thing that you're allowing yourself to go through. Because I know that if Paul can be in a prison and not be overwhelmed with food and clothes, I can go through any circumstance that I've ever been in and always know there is always a category of contentment available. While everybody is complaining, while everybody is crying out in fear, while everybody is is over in a corner cowering, not knowing what they will do. I just want you to know there's always another option in any situation, contentment. There's always a category of contentment. It doesn't matter if you got no food, you got no clothes, you got no rent, you got no house, you don't know where you'll be, you have no friends, you're lonely. It does not matter. There's always a category of contentment available because if Paul can be content in a prison with no food and clothes, I can be content when I have no friends. I can be content if I don't know if I'm gonna make rent. I can be content. Don't think the situation is too big to be content. There's always contentment. The category of contentment is always available to you. You don't have to fall into what other people do. You don't have to join the crowd while they're in fear. You don't have to cower like everybody else. Know that there's always that category. And this is what I think is so important for you to understand. The crowd, the crowds of people will they'll draw you into fear. The crowd will draw you into complaining. The crowd will draw you into doubt. That's why you have to fix your eyes on Jesus above the crowd. And you have to see Jesus. And so what was his perspective? What was his perspective? It was contentment, but how did he get it? He tells us, thank you, Paul. Thank you for telling us how you got your perspective. Verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in, listen, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So before he tells us what this secret is, he says, this is how I got it. He says, I learned. He says, I had to experience some things. And, uh, you know, the old King James says, talks about being a base and a bound. Basically, he's saying, I have been in situations when I've had more than enough. And I've been in situations where I didn't have enough at all. I have been brought to the depths of where I wondered where God was. And I've been at the heights of when I knew I felt like I was right there touching the hem of Jesus's garment. I have been in every kind of circumstance and situation. So listen, what Paul said is I had to learn this over time. It did not come naturally to me. And in learning this, he says, it's a secret. 
That's how I can go in plenty and in hunger. It's a secret. Now, interestingly enough, when he says learn the secret, there's one Greek word that's all that word. And the Greek word is an unusual word. It's only used this one time in the New Testament. Do you have any friends that use big words casually, but they know like they're big words? Like, you have any friends like that? I have a friend like that. He has dreadlocks. He's a teaching pastor. Don't, I'm not going to put his business out there, but you know, it's just smart people just say smart things. They can't help it because they're smart, right? They just say things like that. Like, boop, boop. this was a big word. And it was a word that if somebody was reading that, they'd be like, oh man, this is a, where, where did this come from? And listen, the, the word was used to speak of mystery cults or mystery societies. And so the word was only used if you were being initiated into a secret society. When I was in college, I pledged a fraternity. And while pledging, that was called our initiation. And once I, they called it crossing, And once I crossed, I went into this secret community called Omega Sci-Fi. And in going into that secret community, you get secret handshakes, you get secret phrases, you get secret, all all types of secret. I can't tell you, you know what I'm saying? But listen, I get, you get all these different things in this secret community. And what Paul is essentially saying is, I have been initiated into the secret society of contentment. There are only, there's not many people who get here, but there's a secret world that is beyond the world that we're in, that you can be in. The other thing I think it's important to point out is that, I don't want to call people out, but like when when I crossed, I remember crossing, and we did this night, it's called a probate, you come out and everybody knows who you are, right? And I crossed, but some people pledged and didn't cross. You see, there's a difference between pledging and crossing. See, when you pledge, you go through the initiation, you go through the pain, but crossing means you enter into this society and this community with this secret knowledge. And what Paul is saying is many people are going through life experiencing hardship, but they never cross. They never learn the secret of contentment because they don't learn what God is trying to teach them in hard times and in hard experiences. In other words, what Paul is doing is you end up with the jacket, you end up with the coat that I'm in this contentment community, this small community of understanding. You ever notice? That's why so few people, when hard times come, have that godly wisdom, godly perspective, because it's a small community of contentment. It's a small handful of people that really get it. And that's why he says it's a secret. You've got to go through the initiation, cross the line, and then you're in the secret community, the small community. When Paul tells us how to get that secret, he says he tells us the secret. There In verse uh, 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I have the power, the personal resources required to endure and press on. It, It does not matter if I'm in prison. It doesn't matter if I have abandonment or fear. Through Christ, I have the strength to endure. Now, 
If you're a Christian, you heard this verse before. It's on a coffee mug. If you're an athlete, you said this before a game. You know what I'm saying? Like you, some of y'all got this tattooed on your neck or your clavicle. I mean, like this verse is everywhere, right? Like this is not a new idea. Like, like I can do all things is what we say in the moment of trial before that test. It's what we say. Can I encourage you for a second? This is probably the most misapplied verse in all of Christendom. But, but let me tell you why it's misimplied because what, what you read is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I don't got no beef with Paul. Paul said what he had to say, right? He didn't know what we would do with this verse, but let me tell you what he meant though, okay? Let me just try to unpack what he meant. And I'm taking this based upon how he communicates the concept of strength throughout the New Testament. So let me just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch the word of God. I'm just gonna help it a little bit with a little bit of like, I'm gonna unpack it. This is the James T. Roberson version of the word of God. Listen, verse, this is, in this verse, what he really is intending to say is not just who gives me strength, but who gives me his strength. And that one distinction changes everything. You see, the reason why this is misapplied is because the presumption is I am going to get strength from God in addition to the reserve of strength I already have. The presumption is that I have his strength as an additive to the life that I have. So think of it like a dish, you know, this, you got this dish called life and you know, you got a little encouragement, like you read a meme and you were like, oh, that was so encouraging. You know what I'm saying? You got a mentor, they gave you a word, right? And then you, you know, you, you, you listen to some like some neo soul, like to really calm you down. And oh, you listen to some gospel too. Don't get me wrong. Right. And you listen to some music and then, and you like, you got a test coming up and you like, you're doing all these different things. Right. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to read Philippians, you know, and I'm going to add a little bit extra on there. I'm going to add some Jesus on there to help me get through this moment. And so what you end up doing is you add verses like this as an additive to help you get to the next step or the next level in your life. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I have come to an end of myself. Paul is saying, I have nothing in the tank. Paul is saying, I have no strength. Paul is saying, I have nothing left. And the only way that I will be able to endure and move through this moment is purely by your strength alone. And it is knowing that it is your strength, knowing that you have strength available for any and every moment allows me to endure and to move on. Some of you tonight, as you sit here it is, one, it is one of the most humbling things to acknowledge that only God can do something in your life. And the reality is the time you're most tempted isn't when you're brought low, it's when you're brought high. It is when you've presumed you have enough. It is when you've got the relationship. It's when you've got the money you thought you'd have. It's when you've kept going in life and you see the green light people have the most things to be worried about because the temptation is that things are going all right without him. The fact of the matter is, if you're being brought low, you're close to the secret. If you're dissatisfied, if you're lonely, if you're broken, you're, you're, you're so close. You've been pledging this whole time. You're so close. Don't quit now. You're so close to understanding what God is trying to teach you. You're so close. 
You're in this moment and you're confused. You're so close to crossing the line of going into this secret society of learning what God is trying to teach you in this moment. He's trying to teach you. He wants you to understand. He wants you to get it. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to abuse you. He's a good, good father. He wants to bless you, but just understand he wants you to go into this secret community. And in so doing, God, God wants to bless God wants to bless you with his insights and his knowledge. God wants to pour out on you a strength that you've not had. What you need right now is his strength, but you need to know you don't have strength. You don't, you don't have strength to deal with them kids. You don't got strength to deal with them kids. You don't got strength. You're going to go to a blog and you know, you ain't got the strength to deal with them. You, you, you don't have the strength. So for the first step is admitting the problem. Admit, I don't have the strength. I don't have the reserve but I want the contentment. I want the contentment of Christ. And so imagine if you would this moment in the book of Luke 22. In Luke 22, verse 41, Jesus, it says, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, Jesus was saying, I don't have the will. I don't want to go to this cross. Is there another way? But he says, not my will, your will. And in this moment, we see Jesus Jesus, our Lord, he's essentially asking his father, carry me. Carry me to this cross. Carry me because I cannot carry myself. I don't have the reserve. And in there, Jesus models for us what does it mean to be powerless and vulnerable before our God. And what did Jesus do? He went to the cross. And in going to the cross, he endures on the cross. Going to the cross, he seeks strength from heaven. Strength, listen, strength is always available in every moment. There is always a category. And Jesus Christ will export the, the, the strength from heaven to earth to your situation. There is always strength available from heaven. And, and Jesus looked and he received the strength from his father. And we too, we receive the strength from our God to move on in moments. We don't have it. Because he knows. He knows you're single and you're tired of waiting. And you say, give me your strength. Give me your strength to be content because I just see everything happening around me. Just give me your strength because I can't. I acknowledge God, I, I can't find that contentment. I don't want to pretend. Some of you feel like your dreams have been killed because of the marriage you're in. You can tell him, giving me your strength to endure this relationship that I don't, I don't, I don't feel those feelings anymore. If, if, if I did fall in love, I didn't fell out now. I don't, I don't have the strength anymore. Give him, give them strength, God. Cry out for his strength. 
Some of you have been miserable, miserable. I mean, every day, just there's something always new and you just can't get your countenance up. And it's not one thing, it's always another thing and it's another thing. And you find yourself in this perpetual state of sadness. And what God is bringing you to, what he's initiating you towards is not just a new drug and not a new therapy and not a new counselor. He is initiating you into his strength that you would cry out for his strength. He has the strength. You can't, but he can And some of you are in jobs right now where you can't fake it anymore. It feels like it's a dead end. He has strength for you. You can't. He can. You can't get up the next day. He can. You can't do another Zoom call. He can. You can't, you can't pretend anymore. He can. He, you don't have to pretend in him. He can. He has strength. And in, in him tonight, what I want to ask you as we pray out, I want you to think right now of the primary source of your discontentment. Is it a person? Is it your profession? Is it a performance that you have to do? Where is your primary source of your discontentment? And then tonight, what we ask our Father, in the authority of Jesus Christ, in the authority of heaven, in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We say, God, I, I can't, but you can. And you can through me. So carry me into the job. Carry me through the relationship. And we pray that the spirit of the living God will strengthen you because there's always a category of strength in every situation. Heavenly Father, tonight, we ask that you would move on our people, carry our people, strengthen our people. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.